Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily. I'm Jim. We are one week into the World Cup and it's everything or nothing in this World Cup in Qatar. Either shock results and batterings or drab nil-nil draws. Well, not only have England got a match versus Wales tomorrow night to chat about on today's podcast, we're also going to be looking at, now we are one week in, who might be in the front running to pick up this, I almost said this summer's, World Cup trophy this winter's World Cup trophy also unbelievably we are only a month away from the transfer window opening now normally at this time of year we'd be elbow deep in gossip but right now that's all been pushed to the side in favour of the World Cup we are going to take a look at some of the transfer rumours that are doing the rounds in the papers over the last couple of weeks and finally get in the sea as it's a Monday we have a chance to start the week with a clean slate and have a moan about something that has wound us all up over the last few days. We'll finish today's podcast with a good old whinge. To do all that, Marley Anderson with me. Hello, Marley. Hello. And Joel over there. You're right, Joel. Good morning. Let's get stuck in. England tomorrow, the final game of the group stages. Four points in the bag already, so a draw will be enough to see England and Gareth Southgate through to the knockout stages. But a draw might be not enough to please the England fans who were disappointed with the showing against USA in that drab nil-nil draw on Friday night. But, Marley, England qualifying for the last 16, is that all that matters? And ultimately, if we get through to those stages, as we've seen in previous years when England have done well in major competitions, that's all that matters. And the performance that gets put in is kind of secondary. Uh, is it? I don't know. In sort of black and white, yeah, obviously you've got to get through. But, I mean, the the performance on Friday was absolutely shocking because USA looked more likely than England to score. Mm. If you had to back someone to win that game, if they won it 1-0 with a late goal, you couldn't say, oh my God, we've been robbed. Like, it was it was really, really poor. So if we, if we play that like that again and it's a nil-nil against Wales and we scrape through... You know, and we get you know Senegal in the next round or uh, the runner-up in the in the Netherlands group. It's just maybe Ecuador. You know, it's not it's not that. Uh, I was thinking back to the great. Euros though, right? And yeah. the European Championships. We look back on them now pretty fondly and go, "Oh, England were great in the Euros." Germany, that was the only decent performance I'd argue in that entire run, mm. and the rest was just progression. It was just Gareth Southgate being pragmatic, and I think that was his intention when he went out against USA. It was to get but, the draw that they needed to qualify. Yeah, I, I, 
hated that game on Friday. To yeah, be it was rubbish. The way the way they approached the game was was bizarre. Um, the reason why is I think that playing Wales in your third game is, on the face of it, not that much of a challenge. But in in the reality of a of a tournament where they are going to be so motivated to go through because it's the first World Cup in fifty two years or whatever mm. it is, fifty six years. So it's completely like nothing to lose for them and everything to lose for us and I don't like motivating the the little the smaller countries to the point of where we've got everything to lose and, and they haven't got anything to lose like they've all been talking absolute rubbish aren't they or well we're going to knock England out well let's not give them the chance mm. let's qualify and avoid that banana skin and then by playing one of the worst games I've ever seen on Friday night in terms of entertainment it was so boring um, that You've given the banana skin there. The whales are there, ready now to to upset you, and I don't I don't like that. I think that could have been easily avoided, but you, that's England. Do you think there's any potential that that could happen, Joel? Because Wales have not looked good in this World Cup. They've waited 56 years to get here, wherever it is, and they've not performed well in any of their games. Losing two nil to Iran, although they were arguably unlucky with the sending off of Wayne Hennessy and those goals went in after Wayne Hennessy was sent off. They got the opening day draw against USA, but they've not inspired, have they? They've not impressed. Well, if you look at Wales throughout their tournament history in the last, what, seven years, it's always been a case of they need a free kick or they need a penalty or they need a magic a moment of brilliance from Bale just to see them through the game apart from like a Robson Carney Cruyff turn, but that was a bit of an anomaly. <laughs> but apart from that, I mean, it's always bail, bail, bail. Mm. He needs to inspire them. Like, as we saw in the first game, he got a penalty, he scored it, <clears throat> and he got them the point um, against USA in the first game. And it's always been the case. And I, I think with this one, obviously, because the goal, I think the goal difference or goal scored is the one that is the main uh, differentiator in the World Cup. Goal Wales scored, then goals difference, then head to head. I don't agree. I, I've never understood why you would not use head to head. What better way of proving which two teams are better than the, the <laughs> yeah. game that they play in the short group stage <laughs> as well? Like, it yeah. makes no sense to me. But um, I guess it kind of like the reason they don't do head to head is because it depends in which match day you play that team. Because if you only need a draw for a final game, then it wouldn't go to head to head. Ignore me, go on, carry yeah, on. It, it just makes sense to have head-to-head <laughs> because goal scored, you can win 6-0 or 1-0, it means the exact same thing, you get three points. Whereas if you play a team head-to-head, whoever wins is the better team. It's logic, isn't yeah. it? But regardless, they'd have to win by four goals against England, which I don't see happening. Um, but yeah, in terms of England, I mean, I feel like it was a little bit flippant and exaggerated, the reaction. I know it was very bad. But it's a knockout tournament and it's the fact that, to be honest, personally, I'm not really quite interested in them playing beautiful football. I just want us to go all the way and win it mm. because I've got a friend in Argentina and the reaction that they're getting there from a team that they thought is going to absolutely go all the way. I would rather be in our position now than Argentina's position, put it that way. I'd rather be in our position than Germany's position. It'd be nice to have those both, are on the brink. It? it would yeah, but- and I think it could be better, but Southgate, we know where he is. He's defence first, risk averse, doesn't want to use the flair players too much, I've noticed. You know, Grealish and Foden, let's say Pochettino is the manager. Mm. Foden and Grealish would be the first guys on the team sheet. Well, the frustration that I think the world felt 
on Friday night when drawing nil-nil with the USA, making substitutions, and Jordan Henderson gets brought on. And, and I agree with that. No. Yeah. His, his, yeah. his in-game management is shocking. Even in the Euros final, he made some really questionable choices, like, for example, putting Rashford and Sancho on the pitch when they'd not even kicked a ball for 120 mm. minutes. That was dodgy. Um, and yeah, I feel like with the team that we've got and the talented generation that we've got, it could definitely get a lot more out of it. But I mean, we've reached a final and a semi-final based on his approach. So I don't really think we can say too much. I think we can definitely give credit to USA because they've proven that if you highly press the England side with a lot of aggression, they can't cope. Mm. The midfield cannot cope. Declan Rice goes hiding, doesn't want to touch the ball, hides behind the def- uh, the strikers. <laughs> Sorry to say, Jim, but he, he, he was hiding completely. And then, yeah, like Jordan Henderson, another questionable one. Why don't you just try and attack the game and bring on, you know, the ridiculous amount of talent they've got on the bench? Mm. Henderson's had his day. He, he's no longer useful for that midfield. Well, it's because so. he was being safe. He was being pragmatic. Yeah, safety first. But, uh, you know, as long as he gets out of the group, that's what he's going to be thinking, isn't it? As long as we top mm. the group, it's fine. All's fine. And for me, all's fine. When we get to the knockouts, ju- I just want to win the game, to be honest. One of the things that makes me think we might see a bit more excitement tomorrow night against Wales, Marley, is that... I fancy a few changes in that England lineup. I think we might see a few new players coming in, potentially Sterling dropping out for Foden and Grealish. And then you're going to have players in that lineup that want to prove a point. They want to earn their worth in the latter stages. Do you think we'll see many changes from Gareth Southgate? Uh, I'd be tempted to say no, but if if we do see changes, I can see Walker coming back in and, and, and us going to a back five yeah. again. Um, and using the wing backs instead of uh, that four three three system because, to be fair, I don't think four three three necessarily worked against um, against USA because you know they, they created so so few opportunities, um, and I think there was only the there was twice I think in the game where they they cut through them and that was like six minutes in when Kane had that shot from inside the box, um, and then Mount when he had the shot just before half time, um, and that was it. So, if anything, I can see him changing to his, his back five and, and mm. putting Walker in. Particularly his Wales player back five, because it gets the opportunity to match them up on every level, doesn't it? It doesn't line up to be an b- amazing game. Two mm. back fives and Bill versus Kane up front <laughs> in who can do something first. Yeah, can't first. <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there'll be too many changes. I think there's a big argument, though, that when you go into the last 16 of a competition, you want all 26 of your squad with game time, particularly the likes of Carl Walker who's, and Calvin Phillips, who neither of which have played very much. Mm. So by switching your team around, you're kind of making sure everyone's got some miles in your legs. You're making sure you're regular, your first 11 are kind of rested and you've got alternatives. So we know Harry Kane's struggling with this ankle injury at the moment, which he's been struggling with for, what, three years, something like that. There were doubts about him for the Wales game. There were doubts about him for the USA game as well. So why not give Callum Wilson a start? Why not give him a chance to get some minutes on the pitch playing for England and prove himself in case he's needed in those last stages yeah maybe um, I can't see it happening but I, you know the logic's there I suppose I think the one thing with Kane is um, when he drops deep I don't think England always know what to do when he does that uh, whereas at Spurs Son and Richarlison are like brilliant we'll make, we'll make runs we'll go and try and mm. score goals and Kane can pick them out because he's, he's one of the best passers in in the squad, but in England and Spurs' squad, so you seen him in the first game. It worked against Iran because the the quality of opposition was was lower. So when he dropped deep, it was 
Um, it, he was able to dictate things, but it, against USA, there was too much energy, there was too much pressing for him to. When he came deep, he just he got into more traffic, and you know the USA like Tyler Adams was insane. It was brilliant on Friday night, so he just kind of got snuffed out um, with a proper a, a, a striker that won't drop deep, a, a striker that will play on the on the centre backs a bit more. Maybe we could see a different England, but are we going to see that with with the ham sandwich that is Gareth Southgate. Not really. I don't. I don't think so. Is it all about containing Gareth Bale then? It seems like a bit of a cliche. He's not even to been say good, that. has he? No, he's not got he's the legs scored, anymore. He's got a penalty, and that was that's about it. it. But he can always ping he's in a free in kick, can't he? From I mean, thirty yards he can, out, there's he always can, that yeah. risk. Yeah, because he's, he's got such intelligence and he's the focal point. And because England versus Wales is always going to have a bit more bite to his game, isn't he? Because they're basically out now, aren't they? So it's more a case of the motivation of trying to, yeah, just getting a little last little last jab on England before they go into the knockouts, I guess. Um, but yeah, Bale's had his day. I don't think he's, I, th- I think he will retire after this tournament for sure. Cause I can just see that he's been waiting and waiting for this tournament. But I think on England's side, like, you know how everyone sees in uh, Wales as this, Bale focal point I've been so shocked at how the media and everyone around it after the England game was basically calling for Foden as if he's this saviour mm. like he's not Lionel Messi that Gareth Bale's leaving on the bench he's not a guy who's going to come on and change the game he tried it in the Euros and he started him every game at the start and he wasn't making an impact and then he got benched for Saka and then Grealish came in because Grealish was the guy that Foden was at the moment where everyone was clamouring for him saying he's going to change the team he's going to change the game I think with this England squad I don't think one play is going to change the team of the game it's the style it comes from the manager it's how he approaches the game and I just think that too much in this country everyone is always looking for that one player who thinks going to change it they're always looking to the bench oh if he doesn't do it then he's the guy that's going to change everything it's not even the case because we don't have a Bale or a Messi on the bench it's just the way in which the style of the team is and so I think that when you look at it that way you know USA I don't think Foden would have changed anything in that game because USA just pressed so well they deserve so much credit in that game I think they show way more just aggressive pressing and desire to win it compared to England and they couldn't cope with it and that was the bottom line of it. Foden wasn't going to change that. So we're one week into the World Cup now. So we've had a chance to see everyone play. Most of the teams we've seen play twice, if not all the teams we've seen play twice now, Except haven't we? today. Not yet. After today, After we'll like Brazil play Switzerland later. And Who's your favourite at the moment? Who do you think has got the most chance of going all the way into that World Cup final? Qatar, because they'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are England up there? Brazil. Are England in with a chance to get into the semis, maybe, or maybe even the final? It's Brazil for me. It's Brazil, France, but I do think England, because of the way they're going to play, because they're going to be conservative and they're going to grind out results, they are in with a chance. Well, when you look at the tournament tree, England could potentially face France if they both win the group in the quarterfinals. I wouldn't fancy us right now against France, just because at first when I looked at France's injuries, you know, when they were losing like Kunku, Benzema, I was thinking. Mm. They've got nothing left. But actually, I think the Benzema injury was a blessing in disguise for them because Mbappe and Griezmann, <clears throat> they link up way better with Giroud compared mm. to Benzema. I think it was just a clash of um, characteristics when Benzema played. I think they're way better without him, which is very strange to say. But after that, I think England faced the winners of a group which is Portugal, Spain, Croatia and potentially Serbia if things go the way that we're going to think. And, you know, England against those, apart from Spain, which I've been really shocked at, 
I think they've been ridiculously good compared to how their team is on paper. England have got the better side of the draw, mm. which is the only reason why I think we could potentially get to at least the semi-final. But the, the, unlike the other tournaments where we play quality opposition way later on, in this one it's going to be very early and that's going to be a massive test because France, I don't know about you two, but I don't think I fancy us against them. No, not at all. <laughs> no. But in terms of favourites, I would say for me, between France and Brazil, easily. Well, we need a result against Wales next. That game is tomorrow night on Football Social Daily. We will talk about it on Wednesday morning. We'll have another podcast looking back at that game and forward to England's potential continuation in the World Cup as well. But next, we're going to talk about transfers. There are just over 30 days until the window opens and we've barely (laughs) mentioned transfer gossip yet this year. We'll get on to it next. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. 33 days until the transfer window opens. And normally at this time of the year, there'd be so many rumours about the usual crop of players, Neymar, Mbappe, Paul Pogba, and where they're going to end up this January. But there has barely been a whisper so far. So I've been taking a look at some of the juicier rumours doing the rounds over the last couple of days. Thought I'd bring them out for discussion and see if we can decide what's true and what's potentially completely made up by football agents. Starting with a player we've already mentioned today on the podcast, Christian Pulisic, currently with Chelsea, obviously at the World Cup with the USA. His Chelsea career has been a bit stop-start and according to the Mail, he's being watched by Manchester United, by Newcastle United and by Arsenal at the moment. Some big names being linked with this player, Joel. Is it fair to say he's had a chance to prove himself at Chelsea? Because he feels like he's got more potential than maybe he's shown. Still 24. It's, it's injuries. That's the main thing that's literally hampered his Chelsea career so far. He's no longer Captain America, is he? So we can't even use that name for him anymore. Um, <laughs> so yeah, since joining Chelsea in 2019, he's missed 42 games, which is over a season. Mm. And he's only been there for three years, which is a ridiculous amount of games to be missing for. Especially when you're in such a competitive club like Chelsea, where if you're missing for a a number of weeks they're going to buy someone else or someone else will take your place and they'll solidify the place and then but in his first season I remember him being so effective it was his highest scoring season in his career ever to date which was nine goals and six assists in 25 games but you have to look at the anomaly there which is 25 games 25 games is not enough game time at all and that was his best season so 
Chelsea will be looking at it as probably wanting to cut the losses because you can't keep giving chances to a player who can't get on the pitch. Cost a lot of money, though. Yeah, it? and I'm sure he's on a massive wage. It cost like what sixty million from Dortmund at the time, million, yeah. which is a lot of money. That so from that point it's of view, it's a shame because he's got really good characteristics. He almost reminded me of Hazard the way he glides around players, but he relies on that burst of pace. As a Manchester United fan, then. Bearing in mind that there will be a fee attached, there will be a large wage attached. Mm. Would you be happy to see him come no. to Manchester United? I don't, maybe under Ed Woodward when they were starting to get these players who were trying to resurrect from the dead. I'm not saying he's from the dead, but we need to be going for players that are progressive and are looking like they're going on to another level. Pulisic needs another lifeline, a club that's going to give him chances. Mm. And at the moment, I just don't think he'll get chances in the United squad. I think the Newcastle, it could be a decent gamble because there's a player in him. I mean... When he played against England uh, at the weekend, I was impressed with him. I thought he really took the game to his own and he looked like a bit of a captain in that team. But I'm always so wary of World Cup performances because I always remember Jose Mourinho saying he will never sign a World Cup player based on their performances because you know when you're playing for your country, you're going to give absolutely mm. everything, blood, sweat and tears for seven games. 38-game season is different, isn't it? It's a different motivation entirely. Uh, but I, th- I think for Arsenal and United, I think he needs to drop down a tier, potentially. Potential upgrade for Almiron at Newcastle, Marley? <laughs> there is no upgrade for Almiron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Um, no, I think we do need wingers. I'm, the thing that I'd be worried about is his, um, his character. I think he seems a bit moany to me. Um, a bit, you know, not when when things aren't going his way, like now. He, he does seem a bit like, oh, woe is me type mm. of thing. And do you, do you want that? Do you need that? Is, is it that attractive? Um, if you're spending, you know, it'd probably cost at, at least 35 million they'd probably want for him. You'd say probably wants 150 grand a week. It's a lot of money to put into a player who who uh, will be a bit of a fair weather player sort of thing um, and miss a lot of games. And I'm not sure it makes the most sense. I think there's other other players out there that you could get but he does bring you commercial sort of revenue as well being USA's so-called best player mm. um, that's got to be interesting for Newcastle at the moment that's what I was a, thinking a new think. contender into that space aren't they for global fan yeah. bases they will, they, they will consider that as well they will be thinking we could sell a load of shirts in America mm. with, with this and we can go on a pre-season tour to America Um Although they are probably going to Saudi for the next ten years, but it is what it is, <laughs> you know. Whoever Riyadh offers 20, the most 70. money, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it could be, uh, it, it could be a, an avenue they go down. To be fair, staying with Newcastle, a January raid on Vasco da Gama being reported in the Northern Echo at the moment, a good old local paper up in the northeast. Northern Echo, Andre Santos, the eighteen-year-old Brazilian midfielder. What do you know? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I. I do not know. Is he is he a midfielder? I, I've heard of a guy called Andre Santos who I thought was a left back. According to yeah, the Arsenal Northern Echo, he's a midfielder. Well, that might be what I'm thinking of, Andre Santos, left back. Do you um, trust the Newcastle scouting process to... Because they've done all right see, so far. They've brought in some decent players, but they've not really been under-the-radar players they've gone after so far. Well, you say that, but I think we've signed... Um, you know, we signed the Australian kid, Garan Kual, who's at, who's at the World Cup at the minute. Um, 18... Signed him from, uh, I think it's West West Sydney Wanderers or Western Sydney Wanderers or whatever they're, they're called. Um, and he's like one of them where no one's heard of him. And then it's it has that commercial element as we were talking about with Pulisic. Um, and he's got, and he's like futuristic as well. You know, he's 18. 
um, and he's got his his best years long ahead of him. So this one as well, I've like, I'm not gonna lie, I've, I've not heard of him. Um, I don't pay that much uh, attention to Brazilian football, to be honest, unless I'm gambling on it at three in the morning or whatever it is. But it is Please it gamble is, responsibly. Um, yeah. Unless you're Marley, you can do what you like. But yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, gamble responsibly. I'm gambling the money Jim pays me. Um, so it's it is you know it's it's one of them where they've they've obviously got the network set up now. I think under Mike Ashley we were we didn't have a scouting network. We didn't it was kinda the manager went to him with a list and uh with, with prices on and can I have this guy? No. Can I have this guy? No. And now it's much more considered and Dan Ashworth is uh, has got a fine track record of of picking out little bargains and, and teenagers from far flung countries and uh hopefully if we get it done, they've done the job and, and it works out. Going to look at Manchester United next. I just realised all these rumours are either Manchester United or Newcastle United connected. That's not deliberate. I think they're just the teams that are likely to do more in January. But there are apparently conversations around Memphis Depay at the moment from Barcelona, who could be returning to Manchester United. Barcelona keen to get Depay off their books and reduce wages. We know the financial situation Barcelona is under at the moment. Sky Germany reported that Manchester United are a potential destination. How does that sit with you, Joel? Is he? I mean, you're desperate for a forward line. Ronaldo's out the picture now. Mason Greenwood's out the picture. So you need someone to get goals. Is Depay the man? Again, it's another signing that we would have made under Ed Woodward. It's a... It's just not a progressive one. He's you had did his... make that under Edward, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah, he already was there. Forgot. Well, at least he was a little bit of a raw talent then. So don't get me wrong; he's he's a good player now. He's actually proven his worth quite a lot at Barcelona, which I was surprised at. But he's had his time at United. I don't want to have to go with this stopgap striker when we just need someone for the long term, because he's going to be a guy who will be on our wage bill for three years. Then next year we'll buy a striker. Maybe it's Ossiemen. Maybe it's uh, the kid for um, Salzburg. I remember uh, Benjamin Sesko. We'll end up getting him, and then Memphis will be on the bench. Then they'll be trying to get rid of him. We've seen this story about a hundred times in the last ten years at United. He's not the, great in the dressing room, is he? As well, that's what I mean. We, I, I don't know him personally, and I don't know what he's like. But we kind of need those. We need characters who are just going to fight for the club. I don't. I don't. You don't strike me as a guy who's going to do that. Do you kind of want that 24, 25 year old player who's done enough to prove himself, but also potentially can stay at the club for five years? Well, he is that though. He is only 24, 25. He's 28. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> he's sneakily <laughs> aged. Yeah. Well, definitely not. Then um, the only link I can see is that obviously he's Dutch, like Ten Hag, and he'll know him well. But I don't see Ten Hag going for that kind of signing. I think he's very much on the future rather than lingering on the past and trying to resurrect something that didn't work four or five years ago. I know he's matured. He was 22 when he signed. Didn't work for him um, back in, what, 2015. I'm sure he would do a job at the likes of, I don't know, maybe Spurs as a backup striker or something like that. But, I mean, at United, I just don't believe that... From where we want to go, he's the right person that needs to come in. We need someone long-term, not someone who's going to fill a gap for... You know, three years and it saves the owners who hopefully get out ASAP, um, saves the owners from having to, you know, not have to buy a long term solution, which would probably suit them a little bit. The final bit of gossip I want to pick up on is it's not so much transfer gossip. It's more about the law changes that may or may not happen in the Premier League next season. And it's a little bit of a non-story, but I think it's interesting nonetheless. It's been reported by the Mail that the Premier League will not 
be following FIFA's ultra strict approach to stoppage time next season, which means we're not going to see any 12, 14, 16 minutes of added time in the Premier League next year, like we've seen in the World Cup this year. I'm not sure how it's become news when you're reporting on someone not doing something rather than someone doing something, but that's where we're at. I'm interested in this one because I kind of quite like what we've seen at the Premier League with added time. Not because we've seen those 12 minutes of added time. Which was a shock to us in that England game. Yeah, exactly. It It caught us off guard a little bit. Yeah, because they didn't communicate it at all, didn't they? And we just went, where the hell have these minutes come from? And it was alongside the half-time, which was like 10 minutes. But but I am... 125 minutes. I am kind of thinking, the reason I like the addition of added time, the strict implementation is because I think what it would lead to, maybe less so in the World Cup, but maybe it was in the Premier League, was we'd see less of less time wasting, which is still a problem. Like when you look at the stats from Premier League games and the ball's been in play for 40 minutes out of 90 yeah. or something like That's that a big problem. because of time wasting, would a rule like this help decrease that or are you quite glad that Premier League's not going to follow in the World Cup footsteps? I'm all for it. Maybe they could do a solution of a stop clock, but I don't know if they want to kind of follow that basketball style approach, which is a little bit American, uh, which is not a problem. I I think it is a bit more logical, to be honest. Uh, But I've always found that, you know, let's go Madrid. I remember when they came to Old Trafford and the ball must have been in play for about 55 minutes out of 90. And I used to watch, you know, the goalkeeper take about two minutes to put the ball down do his run-up, kick it. I don't pay to watch a goalkeeper do a goal kick. Mm. I want to see some football. And I think with this, it definitely counteracts that massively because players aren't no longer getting rewarded for, you know, feigning injuries, going on the touchline and just really dragging the game out. Now the referees are basically saying, well, you carry on staying on the floor. There's going to be another 15 minutes at the end Mm. that you're going to have to time wasting. And I think it's really good. I think it does get a little dubious though because... Let's say they add on 10 minutes and then in those 10 minutes, there's still time wasted. Yeah. How do you kind of calculate how much more needs to be added on? And then it gets into like silly minutes then of 20 minutes, 15 minutes extra. And then suddenly the, the team's gained an even bigger advantage of getting an extra five minutes when in normal terms, it probably would have only been like a minute or so. Mm. So I think that's where there's a little bit of a grey area in terms of making sure it's fair in terms of how many minutes are going to be added on. But for me... I think it's great because it's not like the players are more exhausted. It's not like it's going into extra time because they've basically just replayed what they've been doing, just stood around waiting for the guy to get up, which I like. I do wonder how much of the decision from the Premier League not to implement this is based around commercial inventory and being able to schedule reliable ad breaks at reliable times and being able to fit in those sponsor messages. Yeah, and there's the, there's the like added factor of like public transport and stuff as well. Like when on a night game, mm. if you're... If you've got 20 minutes added on in total, like, you know, 12 minutes at the end of the game and eight at half time, and your last train leaves, like, Manchester Station or whatever at half 10, and the game hasn't finished till 10, you've got to yeah. get out and get to the station by in half an hour, which is impossible. It's like those European games that go to penalties. Yeah. Even, even when you're at home and you just want to go to bed, <laughs> you go, oh, I can't go to bed now. Yeah, and it's only just getting exciting like, after 120 minutes. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad we're, we're not doing it. I think I think the right thing is is a... Um, just stop the clock when when you blow the whistle the the clock stops and then when that clock hits 45 minutes whenever that may be the game is half time mm. when it hits 90 it ends doesn't matter where the ball is on the pitch at 90 the game ends mm. which is similar to the way rugby do it yeah. it gets the 90 then the Simple. next time the ball goes out of play boom that's yeah. it it's like when that, when that goalie the... was having his, his nose pieced back together in the England game <laughs> it was like looked at the clock and it said 14 minutes and we all looked at each other and went hang on 
Didn't we stop on like three? Mm. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. it's like, who's getting the advantage here? Then it was almost like they didn't calculate it right. Well, it's not about who gets the advantage. It's just about making sure there's 90 minutes of football. No, yeah. I mean, let's say they were 1 0 down, for example, okay. at the time. Then I don't think that was time wasting. His nose was spread across his face. <laughs> no, no, I, no I, I, we all saw that, but I mean, it was a little bit more than what should have been given. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. It was pretty. I don't know how they had it on, but I well, mean, stock clock changes that's all a th- that. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, exactly you answer that question with if, if the guy goes down on six minutes. Uh, six minutes and four seconds, and the clock stops. Mm. It starts again on six minutes and four seconds. It doesn't yeah. doesn't start again on sixteen thirty eight. And you're going right. So that means there was what eight minutes added on, or whatever it may be. It's just. I think you just need just to stop that, the clock. I think you just need to pick certain pieces of the game. So if it goes out for a throw in, don't stop the clock because that's part of the passage of the flow yeah. of the game. But if, but someone if it's goes like down someone's for going a foul, down, yeah, stop it. 100%, just as yeah. long as you know the exact moments that it needs to be like an injury yeah. or someone taking a long goal kick, like stop it at a certain time or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, to stop them from completely wasting. Yeah. But I def- they definitely need to look into that. I don't know why they don't try and test it out. There's going to be, when we when we finally do sort that out, there's going to be so many injuries mm. in that season because everyone's going to be like, what, this is a 90 minute game? I think I've been playing a 90 minute game for 10 seasons yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you've actually yeah. only been playing a 49 14, minute yeah, game or something like game, that. Yeah, yeah, everyone's going to start retiring at 31. <laughs> it's Greg American football. <laughs> yeah, Henderson's going to be first to go. <laughs> Give us something to talk about that's not VAR though, won't it? Which would be good. True. Make a nice yeah. change. Right, we're going to have a little bit of a moan next to finish off today's podcast. Get in the sea is after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Final bit of today's Football Social Daily. A chance to have a moan over the last few days of football. Something that's annoyed us, something that's wound us up. Who's going to go first? Marley, you're always good for a whinge. What are you going for? Oh, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> you sound like my wife. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to... I'm going to anyway, but... I don't want to bring it back to Southgate, but the, do you remember, it, I just want to say, do you remember when we first, before we did the World Cup and we did that podcast and I was like, Southgate's like dipping his toes in the sea. Mm. And you said, oh, it won't be long until he's fully in the sea. Go on, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> now he's in. He's in. Like we've we've said before, haven't we, you know, earlier in the podcast that that Friday was, was boring and it was dull and stuff. Yeah, it was. But the thing that wound me up more than the game, which was kind of hard to do, was the fact that... In the in the press conference, in the interview afterwards, he was he was just bizarre. His comments were so strange. Like, I was actually really happy with uh, with our centre backs um, building the play up. It's like the centre backs passed it to each other they about sixty times. Yeah. Like they could not get out. They couldn't work it out. They couldn't go into Rice. They couldn't go into Bellingham. They couldn't get it to Mount. They couldn't get it to Sterling or Saka on the wings. That's all, all they could do was pass it to each other. And Harry Maguire had about four goals at giving it to Luke Shaw and twice booted it out of play. And I was like, your centre-backs were defended well, fine. Maguire had a good game defensively, but with the ball at the feet, it just made no sense. So the fact that he got a completely different outlook on the game from everybody, I mean... the well, sort- did he? Isn't that just Southgate's modus operandi in that he... Will defend, fine, yeah. He, he's positive about his players. He encourages them. He defends them. He takes the. It, it's kind of like Mourinho, but you know, imagine 
a football manager with a good angel and a bad angel on either shoulder. Yeah. One's Mourinho, the other's Gareth Southgate. Like Mourinho's <laughs> just throwing people under the bus. Southgate's <laughs> kind of protecting people all the time. That's just what he does. I yeah. think it makes sense though, because it's only a seven-game tournament. It's not like a thirty-eight game season mm. where you can out them a little bit. Because mm. if he outs them now, they're going to be like, oh, "It's only seven games. There's still five games to go potentially. Yeah. Why are you killing us?" Yeah, but I just think like he could. I don't know. It's just the way he seemed really happy with the performance. It's like you you had half as many shots as the USA. Like that's that's strange. That's not a good performance. Whatever way you look at it, that's not a good performance and. He was like, oh, yeah, it was great. You know, we're in a great, strong position in the group. As I said before, you're not because now you can be embarrassed by Wales. Mm. And if that happens on on um, Tuesday night, you're looking at the USA game and going, we should have done more in that game because you shouldn't ever need to be in a position where you need a certain result against Wales to go through. You know, I know it's only a draw, but if it's nil-nil with 10 minutes to go, everyone's arse is going in that game, isn't they? When, they, when, they, when they're watching it, if Bale gets a free kick or... A penalty or whatever, or goes on a mazy run and you know ties Harry Maguire in knots. You just run that risk, and mm. I think it's a missed it's opportunity, isn't it? So it's, easily avoided, yeah. It's like you look at Japan yesterday against Costa Rica. Yeah. In that they did all the hard work, they got the win against Germany, and they should have just rolled Costa Rica and same over. With Saudi as well, they yeah. had an opportunity as well. Exactly, the and they'll they'll kick themselves in that final game when it doesn't go their way. Yeah. If it doesn't go their way, same with England, I suppose. To that, you've let yourself you left yourself open. But I think Southgate's positivity in that scenario comes from the team executing, executing the game plan that he wanted to be executed. Yeah. Oof, yeah. It's whether it's the right game plan. I know, that, well, they're on course that's, to win the group. That's another kind of worms, isn't it? I, look, if they win the group, fine. I'm just uh, a bit worried about Wills being way more more, uh, mm. more motivated than than England and, and Southgate's whole approach to life in general. Right, so Southgate in the sea. It's going to make it very difficult to manage. <laughs> the 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 that Southgate's, honestly, Southgate's <laughs> a man. the golf. I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like Southgate could be crossing a road and the green, you know, the, the lights would go red and the little green crossing man would come on and he'd still stand there for five minutes looking, <laughs> looking either way, show. just checking there was no mentalist coming through on like a, a moped or one of them e-scooters you find. And he's just there going, no, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> Yeah, I think I can go, and then he'll run. <laughs> All right, Joel, who are you putting in the sea? Or what are um, you putting in the sea? I'm putting in Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I don't know if you've heard his comments before the Morocco game. I don't know the context of how he said it. Maybe it was tongue-in-cheek, but I think it was a written report, so I don't know how he said it. Mm. But when he was asked, could they win the World Cup, he said, no chance because we're too old. And regardless of the context that he said it in, they lost 2-0 to Morocco the next day. Mm. So for me... And Martinez, he got asked in his press conference after the Morocco game, did you hear what he said? And he said, no, it's the first time I've ever heard him say these kind of comments. It's almost like he was shocked to hear it himself. So He should have just gone, no, because we've got Matsy Bechouai up front. Yeah. <laughs> a more accurate answer. Martinez is our manager. Um, but yeah, it just kind of sums up this quote-unquote golden generation of Belgium, which has never lived up to yeah. what it is on paper. Like, that team should have dominated Europe for six years Especially, you know, in 2016, when Wales put them out of the Euros, that was their year that they had on paper, you know, the best Eden Hazard that there's been. Lukaku was scoring goals for fun that year. Kevin De Bruyne was starting to become his own in the... 26-year-old um, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, yeah, literally. And then you had, you know, the defence of Alderweireld and Vertonghen who were on the top of the game. That was the moment for them. Now it's completely passed. There's not really any really true talented players coming through that can take the... 
pedestal of Hazard that he's left. Lukaku, he might not even be back for the last game um, of the group stages. And it just, for me, summed up just what a disappointing era has been for them. I mean, they've always been ranked like number one or number two in the world rankings, but nothing's ever justified it. Do Apart you think from it comes fa- down to mentality. Is that what you're hinting at? That because it, there's clearly a lack of belief in Kevin De Bruyne, and he's not a man who lacks be- belief. Sure, Surely sure. he's done everything, but clearly there's a bit of a lack of belief that we can get there. Because that's not, that's not a that's not laying down a gauntlet to your teammates. Going, you're too old. He's a captain as well, yeah. is he not? Um, I think I don't know if it's a case of mentality because all these players have won a lot in their careers, so it's not like it's the first time rodeo. Maybe in terms of the international stage. Uh, but I just think Roberto Martinez, who in his career has had what the best case in our did he, he didn't even did he win the um, the, he FA won Cup? the FA Cup with I uh, mean Wigan. fair enough FA Cup with Wigan is different from winning the Euros or the World Cup with the most talented generation of Belgium mm. players he's ever had in their entire history. I feel like if they were in better hands and had a manager who could truly play to their strengths, you know, someone like a Pochettino, just someone who played a bit more. Well, love for Pochettino football. coming from your way. It's only because uh, I've been seeing him on my screen a lot. He's a bit handsome, isn't he? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just, just just someone, just someone who is at that level that the players are at. Because I imagine the players look at Roberto Martinez and, and they're bigger than him. Every single player in that squad's bigger than him. They've won more. Well, he's only him. like five foot seven, <laughs> isn't he? So, <laughs> and they are all massive. But I mean, yeah, in terms of um, figuratively speaking, they are bigger than him in terms of what they've achieved in their career. And I just think. Belgium yeah. FA need a lot of questions asked about putting them yeah. in the care of someone who didn't know how to do it. They've mm. given the best ever generation, best ever team that they'll ever this have wasn't in their, history. This wasn't their chance though. This No, no, this, no. Some, no, they, well, no. The ones gone by 2018, yeah. 2014, 2016, those yeah. three tournaments, they could have easily wiped the floor with everyone yeah. on paper. They've they've just given that golden generation to Roberto Martinez. Mm. Could we be That's, saying the same about Southgate? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Potentially. How many golden generations of England had, though? Well, <laughs> that have been wasted. But th- this one we've is talented. A, we've though. had a few. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but on, um, on paper, though, this Belgian one is... like If you were to do like for like against all of the international squads, I would probably say it's one the best. Not mm. now, but like in 2016. Yeah. They're all world class, and I just don't know what went wrong. It's mm. that thing as well of like, where does where does Roberto Martinez and, and Gareth Southgate he, 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 uh, fit into this point? Where do, Where do they manage next... Like when they quit Belgium and England, where do they go? Because they won't. None of their no top club in Europe will be lining Southgate up. Southgate goes to Aston Villa. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't know where Martinez goes. Martinez might go. I mean, he's been linked with a few jobs over the years. Martinez like bigger jobs, and he, he thinks no. Belgium, I don't think he'll ever have this Belgium's proper talented right. players under his hands again because exactly. he clearly can't manage them. Mm. Mm. I just think it's you know a mid-range English team where he'll do nothing. Southgate and. Probably similar for Martin as he's worked a long time in in um, in England and he might come back and manage a, a relegation threatened team and that isn't the type of manager you want managing De Bruyne, Hazard, Courtois, all the way around, Lukaku, all these all these players. Mm. It's uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, Belgian FA have messed up. Big okay, time. Kevin De Bruyne, Belgium, the FA, Martinez, you're in the sea. Final get in the sea is from me, and I'm going to moan about people moaning about commentators getting player names wrong, which I know is part of the job, and they should get the names of players right, and it's kind of respectful to do it in the right pronunciation for a language, but at the same time, 832 players in this World Cup. 
it's impossible for commentators to manage to learn every single one of those players' names and remember it at the drop of a hat. I'm thinking particularly of a tweet I saw someone criticising the commentators on the Japan game about the pronunciation of their players' names and saying that they'd butchered the pronunciation. Do you remember who that tweet was by, Marley? Was it me? It was you. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I'd put you to the test and see how many of the Japanese players' names you can pronounce. You're going to need headphones for this. So if you I- both grab a set of headphones... Let's uh, see if you can put your money where your mouth is, Marley. There's your headphones. Well, firstly, it was I th- think it was John Hartson on commentary, <laughs> and he was literally guessing players' names. That's that was where the tweet come from. So unless you uh... you're you're not a fan of John Hartson in general, though, are you? Well, I just don't understand how you can put a man who doesn't co-commentate on co-commentary. It makes no sense. Okay, can you see my screen here? So you need to look over. Can you hear for a start in your There's headphones? There's a lot of uh, visual work going on here for a, for a podcast. Um, but <laughs> and I thought it was just the sit down. Get where's, your headphones on. Here's your screen. It's here. Can you see that? Slightly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So that is the player's name. I want you to see if you can pronounce it correctly. And then I.G. We'll, we'll Kawashima. I.G. Kawashima. Yeah. Let's check the official pronunciation. He's a goalkeeper, isn't he? Riveting. <laughs> Bear with us if you're listening. All four of you that are still listening. <laughs> Eiji Kawashima. Yeah, that's what that's I said. That's pretty good. Okay, yeah. Get Marley on the code. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to do the accent because I'll get cancelled. But next one, Ko Itakura. Ko Itakura. Yeah. Ko Itakura. I mean, that has an American, American accent. Very American. So. Mm, I think you're, you're close, close enough. I'd let you get away with that if you're on commentary duty. Yeah, that one. Takafusa Kubo. Quite good. And next time we go to uh, Wagamama's, you're going to be ordering. <laughs> <laughs> Takafusa Kubo. No, very good. It's very American. It's very American. The first well, one wasn't. The first one was like Japanese, and the, the other two we've got. Uh, right, last one. Junya Ito. Junya Ito. There you go. All right. Well done. Oh, oh, very good. All right. Nailed you it. can get out of the sea. For <laughs> nine out of ten, you can you can tip to out the sea for now. I'm having that because uh, the tweet was aimed at John Harton. Like he, I'm sure. I think it was Asano had the ball. Yeah. And he said he was like. <laughs> Kubo got it on the wing, and I was like, "Oh, John, that's just that's just the wrong Japanese man. You've 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 had a nightmare. <laughs> just look at like, the numbers why, at least. Who's paying this man?" For more World Cup analysis and criticism of John Hartson, you can follow us on Twitter at FSD Pod. So go and find Marley's rantings there. Are they mostly F- are they on your Twitter or mostly FSD's Twitter? Oh, it's all FSD's oh, cool. Twitter. <laughs> okay, good. You can go and find it out there. That is it for today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. In the morning, we'll look back at the England game and hopefully England's progression into the last 16 of the World Cup. See you next time. Football Social Daily from the Sports Social Network.